All right, our sponsor today is my company, Lawdroid. Uh, Lawdroid is a legal AI company dedicated to creating useful chatbots for lawyers and legal companies. Check us out at lawdroid.com. Uh, my name is Tom Martin. I'll be your host today. Our show today is Exploring the Heart of the Legal Entrepreneur with Patrick Pallas, and I'm very excited to introduce you to him. Uh, Patrick Pallas is one of the most dynamic, positive, and hardest working people I've ever met. Uh, he's also the finest workers' compensation lawyer practicing in Washington State. He currently owns Palace Law, uh, located in Tacoma, Washington, and Sunken Cellars, a winery uh, with grapes from Horse Heaven Hills that are aged in Tacoma. Patrick has been selected as a Washington super lawyer for many years, from uh, 2001 until present. He's a member of the Million Dollar Advocates Forum for the amount of compensation he's recovered for his clients. He's been picked as one of the nation's top 100 trial attorneys for the national uh, trial lawyers in 2013. He's past president of the Washington uh, State Bar Association and has spoken at countless conferences about law and technology, most recently about the importance of creating a data-driven law firm. Uh, I'm also very proud in full disclosure to call him a friend. Well, Patrick, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, how are you doing today? You know, I'm good. And thank you for those uh, very kind and quite uh, generous words, especially coming from um, from you, Tom. Thank you. It's good to be here. Awesome. Uh, what is it like in Tacoma right now? Is it still boiling or is it cooled down? You know, it's all good. I it's funny. I I flew to uh, to Boston and then to um, Portsmouth in New Hampshire this this week and and flew back last night. And even though I'm in the exact other side of the country, it is in the mid 70s with you know 50 degrees at night. It, it it did not change from one coast to the other. It was exactly the same. Hmm. Well, I know I described a bit in summary, like you know some of the things you've done and and what you do. But uh, before we jump in, yeah, you know, feel free to tell tell me in your words what what you do. <laughs> well, that's that's an easy task. Sure. Um, wow. Uh, so my day job is, uh, as an owner of a law firm, mm -hmm. uh, but I think that comes with a certain amount of responsibility that we all have. And, uh, and maybe I put a little more time on it than others, which is to, uh, grow our profession to make sure that I am one of, uh, the voices for stewardship, for moving our profession forward to making sure that we remain uh, viable and current and relevant and available to consumers. So I spent a lot of time uh, working on our profession in a number of, of um, groups and, and ways. And then um, I like to find joy in as much of the things that I do. And uh, practicing law gives me joy, um, volunteering, uh, working with the profession gives me joy. Making wine and owning a winery, <laughs> and you mentioned that, gives me gives me joy. There's there's just a certain pleasure um, that you get working with grapes and making wine and sharing it with friends and saying this is my wine um, that that you don't get from law. And I think the last the last piece um, up until this year, I'd had a yoga studio for three years, and I. Um, 
sold that yoga studio. My wife and I had worked very hard on it for a number of years, and we sold it this year. But yoga is still an everyday part of my life, as is meditation. And so I, I yeah. think that what I do is is try to stay well so that I can do things uh, that are important to me and bring joy in my life. And that's really what I want to dive down into uh, today, because I know you've had a a few opportunities. Uh, you, you've had uh, you know conferences and, and podcasts where people um, talk to you about the the law and the tech part, right? The the part about the business of law and uh, being a data driven law firm, and I think that stuff is all fantastic. But one thing that that drew my attention is that you have this ability of doing these different things and keeping a balance to it. And that's rare and that's something that all of us look for. Um, I know nobody's perfect and it's always a challenge to do that. But what I really wanted to explore with you today was trying to get, trying to get at, at that and get a better understanding of that. That sound good? Uh, sure. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. I'm game. You. Uh, you go ahead and ask those questions, and I'll do my uh, best to, uh, to share at least my my uh, my processor vision. Fantastic. Um, so, did did you grow up in Washington? I did. I think I'm one of those few people who's actually a, a native Washingtonian. Uh, yeah, born and raised my whole life. Now, granted, I've been out in and around the world a bit. Uh, but I, I came right back here to the Northwest where I can importantly fish. <laughs> if, if we're talking about what's important in life to me, fishing, catching salmon, being out in a boat, being on the water, uh, critical for me. Uh, and, and the Northwest has a lot of that. And I just recently saw some of those pictures. Those look really amazing. Uh, some, some big fish, big silver fish. Big big silver fish. Yeah, they were. They were, they were, <laughs> that's they that's were my salmon. expert uh, <laughs> insight there. They were salmon. Yes, they're big big silver fish. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. You could tell I haven't been fishing in a while. Um, so, did you did you come from a pretty big family? You know, I, I don't think so. Maybe by today's standards, but I mean, there was four of us, four four kids. My uh, father was a, a social worker. My mother worked with uh, people who have cerebral palsy and took care of them, um, you know, in a in a home uh, setting. I have four siblings, of which I am the youngest. Uh, the oldest is a an art teacher, and my my brother is an amazing uh, artist and has been an artist his whole life. And my my sister, it's me, older than me, is a uh, is a doctor down in New Orleans and is regularly on uh, on television. She is the Dr. Ruth of uh, of New Orleans. She's a sex therapist. Um, and then there's me. Oh, how cool. Um, so when you were growing up, I, I know every every lawyer has a different story in, in this regard, but when you were growing up, did, is that what you wanted to do? Did you want to be a lawyer or were you, did you find that later on on your path? <laughs> Well, you'll laugh about this. My dream up until, I don't know, I guess I got into high school was to be a marine biologist. All I want to do is fish and catch fish, <laughs> be around fish. And uh, if you'd asked me in sixth grade, I would have said marine biologist. You'd asked me in ninth grade, marine biologist. I was all locked and loaded. 
I didn't go anywhere without a fishing pole. Um, somewhere along the way, I got really interested in, in politics. And so <laughs> from high school on, it was about being in politics and really working uh, with my community and making change and making it a better place. Um, you know, I think the whole uh, JFK um, experience about um, if if you feel like you've been fortunate, then reaching out and 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 trying to make uh, the world uh, better. I I think we studied that in school. I was all about it. So. From that, uh, I realized that being a lawyer was probably a good stepping stone into politics. And so I followed that path into into law. And uh, ironically, my political foray has stayed uh, at a bit of a distance, even though it's one of those boxes that uh, I have in my, my life list to check. So maybe not on this call, but someday you'll be uh, announcing your run. I would love that. I, I just wish politics were a little better place to be. Every time I I lean in uh, to take a step, I realize that I'm in a better place where I am here to help more people uh, as a lawyer, as an advocate, as somebody who can change uh, parts of the law, as someone who has uh, a microphone, a pulpit. Um, you know, right? Uh, there's so much more that I think I can do here than than being in in Congress. Um, maybe I could be more useful as a local mayor or something like that. But uh, I need to know that if I'm going to change into, into a political life, that, that I'm going to be able to do things. And in today's setting, I, I just don't know that, that I can be more effective in politics than I am in my everyday life. Well, it sounds like a, a sense of, um, of service has been a thread running through things. Right? I think so. I think yeah. so. My, my folks were very much that way. And so I, I try to follow in their steps, footsteps. So when did Palace Law come about? So I did some uh, civil rights work in Chicago where I went to school. Uh, I moved back to the Northwest, continued doing uh, civil rights work and thought, um, I really want to be able to take on whatever case I want to take on and uh, not have someone tell me that's a bad idea. Or there's not enough money in that. Um, the lawyers I worked with had been great mentors, but um, they really had a sense about what made money and what didn't and what kind of cases you take to run a business versus the kind of case you take to change the world. And I went it out from beneath that. And so I started my firm. Shocking now, but it was all the way back in July of 1995. It's shocking because it's hard to believe that much time has gone by. Uh, with the goal of taking whatever cases I wanted to take and uh, and um, trying to change the law and to to look at law in a bigger picture about making life better for the people in my community. That's great. So opening the law firm was a way of having your own independence, but also being able to serve people better. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I One of my mentors had told me, as I was starting my firm, he he gave me a couple of pieces pieces of advice that that you may you may have heard or may appreciate, um, but but one of them is that um, never chase the money. You know, yeah. the, money, the money will follow if you do a good job. And so I've I've never chased 
the money. Uh, you, I, I go after the, the case or try to do the right thing. Um, and it's funny how it works out. But even in the cases that were, you know, cases for free or cases where I just thought the law needed to change, somehow or another, I always end up getting paid, even if it means that client refers a big case later on down the road. It doesn't seem to matter. If, you, if you're doing the right thing, it always works out. The other piece of advice that he gave me, one of my mentors gave me was, um, and it's my staff harasses me about this. It was actually, a, I put up a poster in the office at one point. Um, that that pigs get fed and hogs get slaughtered. That in other words, <laughs> try to make all your money off one client and really like do everything you can to make tons of money off that client. It, right. You know, you may make some money, but you only get to do it once. Right. Uh, hogs get slaughtered. Whereas yeah. you can still make a good living um, if you take a little bit from everybody, um, and you can survive and be a good lawyer that way. And so. I've tried to follow on with those rules and those were foundational things when I started Palace Law. Well, those are really great lessons to bring to starting your own firm. I think that, um, you know, I totally agree that sometimes people get lost in, in the pursuit of, of the money, which of course is important to everyone. But if we lose sight of why we're doing it, then, you know, you could burn out. You could basically, you know, lose that will to, to go into the office and, and keep going. So I could see how that can help. Well, you know, and there's another piece of that too. Uh, oh, you know what? There's a third thing he told me. He said, uh, always give money back. Uh, and so I always try with every case uh, to give clients some money back because no one ever expects your lawyer to give them back. And I like to push back against that concept of a greedy trial lawyer. Uh, it's so untrue and lawyers are some of the most uh, – caring, giving people out there. And so I like to help push back against that belief, that myth that lawyers are, are greedy. And so I always try to give every client back uh, some money if I can or reduce fees or whatever it takes uh, to do that. But one of the things I was going to say that you touched on is about you can lose your way. And boy, I tell you, it is so true. One of the things that I think is critical is that you sit down and think about where you are, where you're going, what's important to you. Um, I talk with with lawyers, and I'll speak about, you know, mindfulness and and having a healthy life and practice. And I'll talk to people who say, "How did I get here? You know, I'm not sure I uh, like my practice anymore. I'm really unhappy here." Or um, maybe I, I need a divorce. How, how did I get to be with, with this person or whatever it is they found themselves? Why am I living in this city? I don't even want, I didn't ever want to really even be here, you know, and now here I'm stuck here, um, is to take that time to pause and to look around and to see where you are and to just do a check in life. Um, am I happy? Am I where I want to be? How do I get to where I want to go? Am I following the, the path that I set for myself? Is that still a good path for me? It's just stopping and pausing and taking notice of where you are. Because if you don't, you can lose your way. And that is really a dangerous thing uh, if your goal is to be happy and to check off all the uh, things in your bucket list and to find joy along your journey in your life path, uh, that pause and to look around is, is really a critical piece. And I, I try to do that as often as I can, wherever mother nature or a quiet moment, um, uh, allows me to do that. 
That's fantastic advice, and I think it's so true. Um, well, I want to ask you a little bit about about the other stuff that you do besides the law. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not sure which one came first. It, was it Yoga Palace or Sunken Cellars? Uh, the Yoga Studio uh, came first, and then uh, the winery came a close second. So how did how did that come about? I mean, was it that um, you know you're a practitioner, like you you do yoga, and then you thought to open a studio, or, or was there some other way that, <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. I wish I was more flexible than I am. I really need the help in that regard. But how did that, uh, how did it come come about? Let me answer that in kind of a roundabout way. Um, okay. w- when I was, when I was uh, younger, um, you know, it seems like there's always the, the, the older guy, the older man or the uncle or somebody who's always giving you advice. And I heard this from so many uh, men as a, as a teenager and even as a young, young man, when I talk to them about cars, cause I'm, I like cars and, and they'd say, Oh my God, when I was 20, I had this amazing, whatever, Barracuda or a Corvette or whatever, and drove it around. They described the car and I'd say, Oh man, that's so cool. And like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had a kid and I sold it. Man, you know what that car is worth? I wish I had that car. Yeah. And uh, hearing that story over and over again from heartbroken men who who'd given up beautiful cars, uh, I took that that lesson to heart and realized that I never wanted to be the guy who said woulda, coulda, shoulda, right? I would have been famous. I would have had that car. I could have done that. Um, and so it, it's a, I don't know, it, it's a blessing or a curse depending on how you look at it. Um, I don't ever want to be the guy who says I could have done that or I should have done that. So when an opportunity presents itself, I try just to do it. Just go do it. If you fail, you fail. But at least I can say I did it. And by the way, uh, I did buy a car when I was a teenager and it was an old sports car. And I still have that car. And when I meet young men and they look at my car, I say, this is a car you're going to buy yeah, and, and you're going to hold on to it and you're going to be happy about it. And it's not going to be a could have story. So I still have my 69 uh, Datsun 2000 red sports car. <laughs> I've never sold it. And, uh, uh, and nice. that's kind of been the lesson. So with the yoga studio, you know, it was one of those things that was on my mind. We were in a yoga studio, my wife and I, and, and uh, it wasn't giving us all the things that we wanted in it and we had some pretty cool ideas about what we would do if we had one and rather than wishing we had one or wishing someone would create one we said let's open that space let's just do it and even though we didn't know how to run a yoga studio and neither one of us were yoga instructors um it was a uh, a project we took with love and um the community embraced us and we got a space and we hired 14 teachers in the, in the first two weeks and people started coming in the door and the thing just started uh, uh, blowing up. It was great. Uh, and so um, we did that for, for three years and then uh, it was time to move on. And so uh, in January we sold the studio to our teachers. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a community that's that stayed together so our teachers now own um the studio and i still go there i still go there just about every day so there's there's a lot in that story that um 
that I want to unpack because I, I tend to be kind of the same way. Like when, when there's an opportunity um, and I'm excited about uh, about something, I'm passionate about it. I want to do it, you know, because I I kind of have that same feeling. Like why why look at it in the rearview mirror and think I I could have done that. I know from my own personal experience that sometimes you have people and you may have had this experience too, who say, I think you're spreading yourself too thin. You're doing too many things. Why do you think you can do this? Why, you know, like you haven't done that before. You're, you're not a yoga teacher. You're, you're not like how, what is, and that's, it just is a natural thing, especially I think in, with, somewhat of a legal mindset because we tend to think critically about things. What is your response to that kind of thinking? Um, if I was cautious and always logical uh, and, and prudent, um, I might have a very conservative, safe life, but I wouldn't have the life that I think is worth living. I, I really enjoy um living in a way that has some risk because the risk is the risk of more joy, right? More uh, fun, uh, more people to meet, um, knowing that you lived your life um, fully. There's a, a saying that I, I love um, that every day, if you live your life and do one brave thing. And so I try to do one brave thing. What's the one thing that scares you today? What's the one thing you need to lean into? Um, and it opens doors just by saying, okay, I recognize that it's scary. I recognize I don't know what I'm doing. I recognize I don't know exactly where I'm going. Um, but let's do that today. Let's just, let's just do this today. Uh, and tomorrow we'll do something else. And that one brave thing um, process has, has opened a lot of doors for me. And I think opening up a yoga studio or opening up a winery or running the law practice or taking on a tough case or arguing in front of the Supreme Court, all are things that frankly have scared the crap out of me. But the same excitement that you get from that is the same excitement that scares you is also of of anticipation and fun. It's like Christmas, right? And so um, I like that. And, and I tend... Um, to go that way when given the opportunity. You know, the image that comes to mind when you say that is, um, um, I, I don't know if you, I'm sure you've probably seen the movie Parenthood, right? It was Steve Martin, isn't it? And yeah, yeah. And that he has a situation with his kid where it's it's kind of difficult, and he kind of feels like he's on a roller coaster. And Steve Martin's character is so so tight lipped and so conservative in in how he views himself that he's kind of gritting his teeth until you know he sees his wife kind of just going with the flow and enjoying like you could choose to enjoy the roller coaster ride instead of seeing it as a as something to be scared of to you know walk into it to go with the current instead of against it yeah that's 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 absolutely right and it's it's not always it's not always easy and you don't always sleep well every night, but um, I can't imagine living life in some other way. Yeah. I, I think it's also a great lesson uh, because, you know, the way you put it, it's about, it's about one thing every day. It, it's not like, I think maybe some people might be put off when they think about living authentically like that, that it's some kind of 
master plan and they have to have control or a handle on everything and where it's going to go and where you're going to end up. But the way you're putting it, it's, it's, it's not, it's not like that. It's more about focusing on what I could accomplish today. It is. Right. Well, you know this as a developer, right? This is kind of like core to the way that, that developers operate in business that, you know, you create something and you push it out there and you get feedback by beta <laughs> testing and everybody says it sucks and it's terrible and fix it. So uh -huh. you, you fix it, you fail fast, as fast as you can, so you can succeed even faster and you go back after it. I, I can't imagine... Uh, living a life where you have to plan it from A to Z. Like my company is going to go from here to there by, you know, this exact point doing these exact things. And while there's, of course, strategic planning, um, a lot of it you just take uh, day by day and um, you you roll with what you have to do and you find and you find your way. And um, it's that journey. It's that course. It's like, you know what? Here's a better example, maybe, is what I'm trying to say. My son and I like to travel together, and he's now 17. And um, if, if we go out traveling somewhere, invariably, we'll take the wrong subway somewhere. Um, the Uber driver will, will, will be an hour late, or we'll break down, or the place that the Airbnb we get is nothing like we wanted and doesn't work very well or the restaurant we plan to go to is closed or we don't have a place to stay at all. It's something. There's always something. And I'm, I'm reminding my son every time we do this, he's like, dad, why does, why do things always not work out when we go traveling? And I said, no, that's the journey. That's the journey. That's the richest part of the tapestry is, is, um, figuring it out, working your way through it and meeting people, finding new friends, finding new places to stay when the old ones aren't there, whatever it is. Um, and I think that journey in a business is like that. It's, it's like that, that, uh, that being a traveler, it's a traveler in business. So I know, as you said, with yoga palace that was recently sold to the teachers. So, Right now, it's the law firm and sunken cellars, right? That that's kind of the the things that you're balancing, right? Yeah, it's yeah. some volunteer work. Some. Um, <laughs> how? Do, yeah. How do you? So when you're doing those things, and of course, also trying to to live a life, family life, all of that. How do you keep yourself balanced? How, like, how do you keep yourself? Like, what is one thing that you do in the day? that kind of grounds you oh gosh uh if i were to pick one thing uh it would either be well it'd be meditation but hmm. that's just because you made me pick one thing meditation could be sitting or it could be moving if it's moving then it's my yoga practice if it's sitting uh then it's me sitting on a cushion and meditating uh during the day either way it's finding that that grounding uh, I think that grounding is really critical um, for me. Um, if I didn't have that time to stop and to pause and um, to feel the ground and to breathe some deep breaths and be aware, um, I think I'd be missing out. You know, people run, 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 and work 2,000 billable hours and, and never stop and and. It, it's funny, the old saying about if you want something done, ask a busy person. It's because the people that are busy, uh, I think, often have uh, 
um, good grounding and um, they're able to get more done um, faster. Uh, I read a story, a, a little article about a guy who literally went from being the you know busiest litigator out there with so many hours that he worked and he started taking every morning to meditate for two and a half hours. And uh, when he did that, his efficiency actually improved um, with the time that he spent being grounded. It cleared his mind to do the tasks of the day much faster, find answers much better um, to, to get to the problems without all the white noise, to be able to prioritize what needed to be done and to have um, the clarity to do them right the first time. And I love that because I, you know, I strive for not being the guy who is just running on that, you know, habit trail, that hamster wheel for the sake of running, but rather finding big chunks of space in life so that when I do have to work fast or hard, um, that I do it in a way that is both something I enjoy doing um, and doesn't have to take up my entire day. That old concept of, love what you do, do what you love is, is really important to me. And so finding that space to do what I love well, and when I want to do it is, is critical. So getting a little more specific, because I, I know I've definitely been talking about or asking about broad strokes here. Um, to accomplish all of these different things, obviously we, we need help, you know, and so when you when you need help when you when you choose people to work with, um, what is something that you look for in, in somebody that's going to be working alongside of you, and also, you know, in a way helping them to achieve what they're looking to achieve? Boy, there's so many pieces to that question, Tom. Holy cow! Uh, let me just try <laughs> just to t dissect some some of it. Um, I think there's a popular belief that you never do business with friends or family. And I think a lot of people adhere to that. One of my friends, when I said that a number of years ago, he looked at me and said, are you crazy? You would rather trust your money to absolute strangers than to people you know and love. And I'm like, huh, now you put it that way, right? So at that point, I tossed out the idea of never doing business with friends or family. And in fact, I prefer <laughs> Uh, to partner with friends. I prefer to partner with people that I have a track record with and I and I get along with and I know. And um, it's really made a world of difference in in how I put together partnerships and, and business and, and and work with people. So part of that is finding the right people to be around, the people that you, you trust and you like and you can work with. Um, I'm also a big believer in doing the things that you love um, in your job. So many hands make light work. And I let those people who love parts of my job that I don't and let them do them. <laughs> right. So <laughs> there are people in my firm um, who are really good, like um, Sienna is my project manager. She's really good at putting together projects and running uh, projects and, and running data and, and building statistics and putting together um, information. And that's not always my forte. I love the statistics when we have them, because I can look at them and, and work with them. But I don't always like creating them, right? So it's things that I'll give to other people who do love doing that stuff. And so um, 
I always try to find people when I'm bringing them into my firm or into my life who have a passion for something that maybe I don't because together we have this great passion uh, to it, to do these things, but individually we all have our individual expertise or our loves. And so I try to assemble people that all feel that way about what they do. And together we're a synergy. We're a force um, that, that loves what we do and are happy during our day and can get a lot done as a, as a team. I think that's fantastic advice too. I, I, I remember when I first started my firm as a solo that I tried to do everything, you know, everything myself, hold on to everything. Uh, <laughs> when it came, you know, when it came about a uh, time that I was so up to my ears with work and it made sense, that, hey, Tom, hire somebody. Right. Um, I would still try to hold on to it and just didn't know how, you know, to bring on somebody else to do what I could do myself. But I think you have a fantastic point there that it could be stuff that either A, you really don't want to do, or B, you're not as good at it as someone else who who, who could really excel at it. And then you get to benefit from that. Um, you know, control is so overrated sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I will tell you as, as another example of that, right? To bring on people and let them do work like you're talking about. Um, even though it's in a business story, uh, when my wife and I were getting married, uh, the whole idea about planning the whole wedding and doing all that stuff just was taking the joy out of what I wanted to be like the most amazing day ever. And we got the idea like, why don't we just hand off piece of this to people who want to do it? <laughs> and we just like like player playing cards just dealt a deck and everyone took a piece i mean they wanted it they wanted to do it it made them happy to do it and it made us happy to give it to them and literally uh the day before the wedding um if someone asked what are we doing and how's this going to work i would have said i have no idea you know it's a little like going to a play and sitting down and just watching things unfold <laughs> And it turned out wonderful. The, uh, the the way that it all unfolded worked perfectly, and it was no stress. Uh, it was just letting people do what they want to do and um, and relinquishing control of it. And I try, I try to do the same thing in my law firm. Obviously, it takes you know some supervision over what happens and some direction and some vision. Um, but I do my best to try to stay at the top end of the vision rather down in the weeds and the control and micromanagement. So one of the things is that I know that over the past year, you've, you've been spearheading um, a movement to re-envision how legal services are delivered right. and lawyers regulated. And I wanted to ask you, because to me, like this, it makes sense now because this fits into this thread of service and politics and how you, view you know contributing to the greater good and i wanted to ask you about how is that how's that going like where do you think that's at is there a promise of it of there being changes in the future yeah thank you for that question that's that's you know talk about uh things that are near and dear to my heart that's one of them uh over this last year we've done as you know uh three different summits at three different events we did the aba tech show we did one at Lawyernomics, and we're going to do the last one um, at ClioCon in in New Orleans. And uh, the concept was, um, I think I have a pretty good vision of where 
the profession should go. And um, there's a lot of people who it's not my vision alone, for sure. It's I mean, a lot of people have a shared vision of what we need to do. And the question is not what we need to do. It's how do we get there? And so we've been having these summits as town hall meetings and introducing ideas to people who maybe don't know them, um, taking ideas from people who want to have their voice heard and working up solutions as a bridge to how we get from here to where we need to go. And the purpose of all of it really is uh, about making law more accessible to all of the people of our country that need it, because there's so many that are locked out of the system, and yet here we are as lawyers trying to serve them. So it's creating the tools that the profession needs so it can thrive. We should all be able to make money. We should all be able to make a good living. But we should be able to do those things at the same time as delivering legal services, helping the people that need us, providing uh, the care um, and, and the legal assistance that people have to have. And so part of this summit is um, talking about those tools and that mechanism, that process uh, that we really open up the doors of our profession so that we can all thrive and serve the public, which is, I think, all we're ever intended to do as lawyers. So what are, what are your plans for the future? <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, I, you know, there, there's so many answers I could probably give you to, to head down that road. I, I, I think more of um, the future is more about a vision. I, I, I want to continue to live life fully. I want to continue to open up doors so that I can help more people. Um, I want to be able to say at the end of my life that I had some peace in uh, making our profession really great again during a period of time when opportunity really existed um, to grow our profession in ways that it, it, it had, it's never seen. Um, I hope uh, at the end of my days that I can sit back and say that I did everything possible to achieve those goals. And I can say that I am I lived happily, uh, joyfully, that um, there's nothing I wish I had done because I've done it all, right? <laughs> so my future plans are, are, are heading, um, are, are bringing the profession uh, into um, – a, a better place and helping as many people along the way that I can. Well, I have one last question for you that. Yeah. I, I hope I, uh, last, the last one was so, was so easy. <laughs> yeah. 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 Another easy yeah. one for me. You thought that was easy. <laughs> um, no, this one is uh, one I asked. It's kind of like off base a little bit, but um, what's a place on your bucket list that you've never visited, but that you would like to. And why? Oh my gosh! Um, so I have a couple places on my on my immediate bucket list, but one of the adventures that I'm just absolutely dying to have is uh, to drive uh, um, down Baja 
from from us all the way down to 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 cabo um i want an, an old rig to to drive with maybe a car top boat on top i want to fish all the way down um i i want to surf all the way down i want to uh kiteboard all the way down i i i think the idea of of meeting people and and catching fish and um living with joy would be so much fun and um so i'm learning how to to uh uh to kiteboard and because i want to be ready when that time comes and um trying to find some space in my life so maybe i can take that journey in the next year or two um but I think that would just be so fun. Do you want to go along, Tom? You're, <laughs> yeah. You're probably um, with you. I go would like, definitely like to be there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come with me. We'll go uh we'll go surf and and eat well all the way down the Baja Peninsula. I, I'm all for that. Um well thank you, Patrick. I, I loved uh getting to speak with you and get to know you better and learning more about how you do it. Um how how can people keep in touch with you? Um, you know, I would love people's feedback. There's so many stories about there out there about what people maybe that something I said resonated. I'd love to have some feedback, have conversations. They can find me by email just at Patrick at palacelaw.com or I'm on Twitter all the time and it's uh, at Palace Law or they can just call me at my office. It's pretty easy if you Google Palace Law how to find me. But uh, I'd love to carry on a conversation and and maybe Tom, it's something that we can, you know, uh, keep alive on a thread out there. Cool. And, and you're going to be at CleoCon, right? I will be at CleoCon. We're going to have the summit at CleoCon uh, on Thursday. And then I'm speaking about um, tech partnerships on Friday. And um, I'm looking forward to both of those topics very much and having this town hall meeting uh, for the summit. I want to just put a, a shout out to to Jack Newton. He's been so good um, at making sure that we have some time and a space to have that uh, to have that summit. And um, I'm really looking forward to Cleo. And you're going to be there. And I'm looking forward, my friend, to seeing you in person and uh, having dinner and maybe sharing a glass of this wine. Sunken Cellars, I think it's called. I'm going to bring some <laughs> down with us. And, uh, and we'll pop a bottle so you can share it with me. Well, that sounds fantastic. Uh, thank you, Patrick, for being my guest today. And uh, thank you all for listening in to this, um, exploring the heart of a legal entrepreneur with Patrick Palace. Uh, again, my name is Tom Martin. Our sponsor today is LawDroid. LawDroid is a legal AI company dedicated to creating useful chatbots for lawyers and legal companies. And you can check us out at LawDroid.com. See you next month. Thanks, Patrick. Thank you, Tom.